the only podcast that crashes to desktop upon exiting. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Mark Podcast, the only podcast that crashes to desktop upon exiting. My name is Crofton Steers. I am the returning host with the most of this show. And with me, as always, is the co-host with some of the most... I'm the co-beast with the least. That's what you're supposed to say. Oh, that yeah, yeah. co-beast with the least. I'm talking about the main man, <laughs> Bo Schwartz. Bo, See, welcome. Like two levels of slam in there. You're calling me a beast and also saying that I have the least. Um, I don't know why I'm helping you, but, you know, I'm a professional. We're doing a show and I wanted to... You demand professional quality intros. Exactly. Man, Crofton, good to see you on a show just you and me talking about video games. I feel like it's been a while. I mean... It has it has been a while, but, you know, we said we were going to take, take pause and it's allowed me to play a bunch of games. And I'm not saying that we're necessarily totally back, but uh, at least it's we can get on every once in a while and, and talk about uh, well, talk about some how stuff long and I think has it been like how, how long has it been since we, I'm gonna check I feel it. last summer last maybe maybe September August 10th 2016 okay so it's been a little clip anyway since our last one well it's cause um, not a part full of year it though too, pretty good part of it I think is that last year let if we're perfectly honest last year was pretty shitty for games like it was not a great year and this year it, it is already like off to the races there's been a lot of stuff that's happened i know i've been playing things that you know i like to say things are are triple a quality you know a grade and uh, i've already got into a lot of that this year that i didn't necessarily last year right so last year there was overwatch and i mean i think it's funny you say that because I know you still, even though you say it was a bad year for games, there was some cool stuff and you have been playing some awesome stuff. And I guess 2017, there's been a bang, which I think we'll get to the biggest of bangs today. But uh, I've played, I think, one new game <laughs> since our last episode because all I play are Blizzard games. So I play, you know, the Warcraft expansion came out, played that and, and uh, played Diablo and played lots of Heroes of the Storm and um yeah but only that like i haven't really played any new games so that's kind of hey, part yeah, of the reason think, we take know, a hiatus because i'm like well i don't play anything new so what can i talk about really no and that's and that's totally fair so i guess like instead of doing a traditional readme.txt where we talk about all the the news and stuff maybe we can talk a little bit about our own stuff our sure. own news sure. yeah. if you will yeah so and, let uh, us uh I'm going to play the bumper still because it makes a podcast you, professional to have bumpers. Do you want, do you want to cue me up? Yeah. Play, uh, so uh, without further ado, here is uh, readme.txt. Readme.txt. Yeah. So, Bo, um, I'll start because I think you got bigger news. 
That's uh, true. That's that's the way news works. They lead with the second biggest. Thing. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just I'm making a I joke. Guess you're I'm right. sorry. I make any sense. I was trying to make a joke, and then I just ended up being a dick. So sorry. it's like. Stay tuned later in the news where we give you the most important news. Um, no, I, I, I was saying uh, just the other day to uh, to one of my friends who cares about video games that, uh, you know, I haven't bought it. It felt like a while I hadn't bought a new console. Right. And um, I guess, you know, I hadn't – I never was tempted by the Xbox One. The PS4 is sort of fine. I didn't feel the need to upgrade to the PS4 Pro. I have a, a gaming PC does real well. And so – so you know i had not bought the wii u and then the switch launched earlier this year and the last time we recorded the show it was still known as like the nintendo nx or something like they hadn't even branded it or whatever now it's out there in the wild and and speaking of the wild it came with zelda breath of the wild which is a game getting uh acclaim everywhere and so immediately I bought into the hype and I was like, oh, I need to own this thing so bad. I need to play Zelda. Mm. And this is sort of one of the big stories that people aren't talking about with regards to Zelda and all that is that there was a, there's a Nintendo's bad with supply. There's a limited amount of switches. So I did not get one on launch day. Like I did not get one and I still do not have a switch. Instead, what I did was I bought a used Wii U to play Zelda and I bought a bunch of games with it. Like it came with, you know, I bought it on Kijiji or whatever, eBay, eBay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I got, a, I got a bunch of games, including Breath of the Wild, because the guy who had ordered Breath, the, the guy who was selling it had, had got a Switch as well. So um, it was, so it's, it's sweet, but it's kind of, it's kind of funny because this is a game that's getting so much attention, yet there are so few people that can actually play it, which is kind of, I find kind of ironic because you've got, the Wii is the lowest selling Nintendo console of all time. And then the Wii U rather. And then the Switch just came out, so there's a limited supply. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tons and tons and tons of people still haven't played Zelda yet everybody seems to be talking about it. So I haven't played Zelda. Um but it definitely looks interesting. Like and I guess we'll get more into it about why when we go to games for a minute. But uh, I think it's crazy that you bought a Wii U. Like, doesn't doesn't it make you feel bad on some level to be like, I'm probably going to buy a Switch because, like, there's going to be other cool shit from Nintendo, I think, for this thing, right? This is just the first volley of torpedoes, so to speak. Well, it made it made me, like, I had to think about it, like, the financial investment because Wii U's, for whatever reason, did not drop in price. Mm. And the collector in me sort of thought to myself, there are very few people that own this console. Right now, you can find Wii U's pretty easily. But like in, in 10, 20, 30 years, it's going to be like the Dreamcast, like the Saturn. It's going to be hard to track down this this console, you know? Um, so the collector in me was like, well, you know, I, it'd be nice just to have it. Um, and then the other part of my brain was like, well, it also has a bunch of games that will likely get ported to the Switch. They've already announced they're porting Mario Kart. Hmm. Um, but, but still like when you buy a console at the end of its life, you can get all the games that you miss. So I got a pile of games. I was sort of flashing them in the opening, Hmm. opening credits, like super Mario 3d world. I got Bayonetta one and two, neither of which I've played. I got Mario Kart eight. 
I got that Nintendo Land game that it launched with. I got Zelda Breath of the Wild. I got the um, Zelda Wind Waker HD remaster. And this is the first Nintendo HD console as well. So anyway, I, I found it. I, I find that it's kind of exciting to get a new console, even though it's an old console. Because meanwhile, Switch folks are waiting for their next big game coming out, I think this month, is Mario Kart. The exact game that I already own. They're waiting for it, you know. And then their next big game after that is Splatoon 2 in the summer. And I can I can play Splatoon 1 now if I want to. Like, Look at it, you, <laughs> You know, like I'm just, I'm just saying. It Look, seems like it's a yeah. Okay, it's because it's not that old of a generation. It sort of makes sense. It's just like I'm sated. My Nintendo needs are sated. I haven't played these games. I can play them, and you're not swept up in the hype of the new newness because reviews are in for all those things. You kind of know whether to expect that they're good or that they're not. But <clears throat> what you're talking about makes me think there's a big news that dropped today actually about. Nintendo discontinuing their NES Classic product line. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and, well, I think that I think the social media manager made that decision. He's like, you know what's going to get us a lot of mentions on Twitter? Let's tell them we're canceling it. Because <laughs> if if the, I swear every person that I follow on Twitter posted a comment about the Switch, at least one. This is stupid. I guess someone in Nintendo's like, I don't like money, and I'm kind of like, yeah probably that's true knowing their history but there's a little part of me that's like who wants to play NES games like they were great and granted if you're a collector you know be into that stuff I guarantee you most people buying those NESs are not playing them as much as they think they will or should so I kind of hate the whole like when there's a new oh, console but... out, buy the new console, throw the rest in the garbage. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> video game preservation is becoming a huge I thing know, now I as know. it gets older and older. And for me, what Nintendo's doing, I, they've got to be doing this because otherwise it's ridiculous, is is they're, um, they're going to make a, either a better version or a sequel version to the Nintendo Classic, the NES Classic, because they're they're still selling out. Like I've been trying to buy one, and it's just like it's sold out. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, uh, we're not going to sell them anymore. And a lot of people are saying like, well, it's because they don't want to cut into their virtual console sales on the Switch. But that's BS. Because to me, the same type of consumer that that gets the switch isn't the same type necessarily that's going to buy this like $60 classic thing. What I think is they're going to do a new version that allows you to buy like um, carts that you can like, you know, 30 games, 30 games, like, or Mm -hmm. download onto the classic. Like, I think they, they underestimated what a big score this will be. And then after that, they will launch the SNES Classic. And honestly, as soon as they do that, I'll be all over that SNES Classic. Man, like I get it. And I want people to buy it and have fun with it. But at the same time, gaming is such an iterative process that you got to, you got to, you know, you got to let it go, man. You, you buried your nest. We don't play those games anymore because better games came along and, and we're improving on it. But I'm just, but I'm not a nostalgia were... guy, and I respect people who do. It's just for my own personal thing. I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever, Nintendo. Like, I'm actually fine with them discontinuing it because I'm like, yeah, no, focus on your new console. That's where your business should be. They can do both. I, I swear, they're, they're you're, you know, you're absolutely right. Something. Like the comment is, no, they do good business having more skews for the nostalgia play and just more presence. Like, it makes business sense. I just, from a personal standpoint, I'm very. 
And like one Nintendo console I was really into is a Nintendo 64. And you cannot play that console without its controller. Like you can't mm-hmm. separate the two um, and, and get the exact same experience. And controllers have totally evolved. But like the way that when they re-release GoldenEye and they do these things, oh, you can play GoldenEye. I'm like, I'm sorry. If I'm not playing GoldenEye or if I'm not playing Mario 64 with one of these like tri-pronged monstrosities, then I ain't doing it right. And so like that's what that's what these things do. They allow you to experience essentially these games in the exact way that they were originally intended to. So I, you know, I definitely appreciate that. But from a business point of view, Nintendo, there's no way they're not coming back with something else on that. Like there's no way. And it's not yeah. just going to be like we're launching a virtual console on the switch no they they're they're for sure going to be putting out another product that you'll be able to get at walmart or whatever so um but uh but yeah i i just like i'm into nintendo right now like that's my because i had missed that the the wii u playing these games um I've also, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, but I'm also playing Super Mario Run on my phone. They're one of their first smartphone games. So I'm like really into them. And I recognize that they're a bit like Blizzard in a way because mm. um, Blizzard and them and Nintendo are both like high quality, slow release companies. Like they put out maybe two or three games a year and they're polished to a sheen or whatever. Yeah. And I'm starting to appreciate that a lot a lot more um and uh because there's so many like bugged and broken games like i was excited for the new mass effect but now all the reviews and reception has tempered my excitement and part of it is because it sounds like they released a broken game no you know? i think i think it's oversold i think that the it's just the animation's not up to the standard it should be i think you should i think you're safe to set your foot into mass effect i think i'm fairly certain but I haven't played it, I but will just from what for I hear. Sure. Yeah. By the time I get there, though, they will have patched the bejesus out of it, which is good. Yes. But I, I'm just saying, like, a Nintendo or a Blizzard would not be putting out, you know... No, they, they, their products are in well-developed stages when they come out. Although, that's changed... I mean, the philosophy's changing a bit with, with Blizzard in some respects. Because, like, you know, we live in the Minecraft age where you can release an early access game and it's fine. People want to play the game through its development. And it's part of your game's life cycle now. So so they still are finely polished, but I would say, like, at least in my experience in Heroes, for sure, because um, I play that a lot, like, stuff doesn't come out 100. Like, the, I guess the graphics in the VO and stuff come out 100%, but not the, um, you know, not the balance and the fine-tuning and that kind of business, because these games are more services now. Anyways, not, I'm going on a tangent, but yes. Speaking I, of Blizzard... I know because I know you in the RL yeah. that you've got some you got some big news. Yeah, I, but I, big I want news. to I want to gush here because you know like we got to talk about it a little like I talked about it a lot on Core, but at the same time we didn't want to make it. You know, it's not the Bo Show, right? We talked about our trip, but all right. Here, here, here's me a month ago. I get an email all of a sudden from Lashes, who is a community manager over at Blizzard, saying, "Hey, do you want to come to the Heroes uh, Media Summit?" in about a month and I, I, I so it wasn't clear to me that I was going to be able to go because well let's just say they assisted me with some of my expenses getting there and I thought I was going to have to scrape some money that I didn't have together and stuff like that plus you never had a passport like, I didn't have a passport I've only traveled to Boston once 
before 9-11 didn't need or maybe it was after but it was before the need for passports to get into the states and shit like that so i basically got my ass in gear just to get to this trip and i've been looking forward to it anxiously for like a month i was worried people meet me and think i was like a loser or something. you know like all kinds of shit like that i don't know because i haven't met anybody and i'm flying to this place where i don't have anywhere to retreat to anyways i got to go to irvine and i you know what i thought of there was that episode of good bad or bullshit we did about space you remember that we did an episode uh, about space was and, it living on mars or something i think it was maybe it wasn't space i was saying i remember saying space was cool oh, and yeah. space exploration oh maybe it was um private space flight or something like that but i was talking about how it was great and we should explore space and it's this awesome place to visit and then you guys both made fun of me because you're like you've never even left ottawa you've been to boston once yeah, yeah, going yeah. to space would be like going to irvine <laughs> in the sea blizzard and that's literally what happened it was like i was going into space um yeah so anything's possible croft and i'm going to space next <laughs> um, if that was the latter it's like it's like ottawa irvine space oh, well you're pretty much pretty there. much there it's a short road um this is insane it was a 48 hour thing i flew out at six in the morning on a sunday um got there at noon slept till six well by the time we got to the hotels like two or three and i was already bumping into people that i'd only known like the sport like a lot of the esports casters were there who were on the your tv screens casting the esports you're just bumping into them because they're just real people in front of you and they're all piled together and and i went to sleep and then i got up and got uh my sweater and i'm wearing the sweater i haven't washed it or barely taken it off i have a heroes of the storm sweater (laughs) Oh, and the best part about the sweater <laughs> is this, Crofton. Oh, oh snap. It has my oh. show name and my name on the side so that people who might not know who I was could, you know, I could say, hi, my name is Bo, but it's on my sleeve. And it's this badass looking sweatshirt with like a symbol on the back and everything. So and cool. now it's super disgusting because what? you probably you're like I, sleeping in it. Oh, so nice! I don't sleep. Feel in the it, bow on but, my but skin. I haven't yet washed it since the trip, um, and I wear it very frequently. Um, so <laughs> I'm not ashamed of it. Okay. TMI. Um, I mean, I wear it on my chest area, so it's it's fine. Um, with the shirt underneath, I'm not sweating. Okay, into it. it's winter. okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyways so cool the trip was awesome dude like i don't know if you have any questions about what it was like or whatever I but do. it was just like so we went basically day one was just a hotel we did the, uh, there's a but everyone was congregated at the hotel so about 10 20 cars got collected to go drive out to a korean barbecue place and everyone had korean barbecue um and it was just a bunch of people that I only know from the internet, whether watching streams or esports casts. Some pro players were there, and and other. So, like other... when you meet them in in the real, yeah. Do you like? Do you? Do they go up to you? Do you go up to them? Do you be like, oh, this is kind of like how? How does that so, unfold? So the the here's the the society of heroes, the heroes community right now is that there are podcasters. And we all know each other. And we did the Heroes Charity Brawl recently where we raised $5,337 for charity playing Heroes of the Storm. And it's all different podcasts. So we all know each other and we've collaborated on things. So Lords of the Storm, Into the Nexus, Core were invited. Um, 
as part of the podcast. I don't think there was another podcast group there. I could be mistaken, though. There are definitely people who do podcasts, but the the podcaster like diehards were us, so to speak, that community. I'm, I'm trying to think if... Oh, no, you know who else was there? Uh, I know you're not going to know who this is, Crofton, but BlizzPro's Power Hour. BlizzPro is a is a media site for Blizzard-related news, and they have a podcast, so Jimmy Bloxham was there. I think he was the only one representing them, but he was very nice to meet. I enjoyed him quite a bit. Um, th- and then there's streamers. So, have you watched some streams yet at all? Or just even out of curiosity? Yeah, no, no, no. I've seen streams. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, our personalities are very different. Podcasters, I better go to bed so I can wake up early the next day and enjoy my day tomorrow. Um, very strictly talk about the game and, and jokes. Like, very adult Streamers are like yeah. grown children, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but they had a lot of energy, and they're very excitable, and they're great. And um, But, you know, for example, at one point, while the podcasters went to sleep, the streamers went to a hotel room to party and stream. Now, keep in mind, this thing is supposed to be like, you know, it's under NDA. Let's not tell people we're here right now. So it's just fun. It's just amusing, and nothing bad happened. It was just... Are, was... They, are they much younger? I don't. I, I mean, I was a lot older, I think, than most people there. Um, well, like with you and John and Scott, like you don't seem. Well, they John's seem all the thirties. Like, like, yeah, we were older. Like the podcast people are like thirties, eight range people. Yeah, and they're probably a lot of the people that stream and stuff in their twenties. But it isn't. I don't mean to be derisive about it. It was just like it was just a weird little social ecosystem difference, right? And, but they were all very nice, and I got to say hi to people that like. It's like, hey, I, I watch you, and I think you're amazing, and so hello, and it is just—it's just cool. It was just really neat experience. So we went out to the barbecue, and then the next day was the event. Now I got up at six a.m. because I was so excited I couldn't sleep. And you know me, Croft, and I don't sleep in. And I went to bed like late enough. It was midnight. Oh, it was the, oh man, it was the best day ever. We got on the shuttles at nine. They shuttled us out to Laguna Beach, this event location. And basically, on the second floor at around 11, they had like a mini BlizzCon panel. Like, the game director, Alan DeBeery, Travis McGeethy, who worked at SOE, but I didn't get a chance to ask him if he worked on Planetside. Shit, I forgot. Fuck. (laughs) He didn't work on EverQuest, though, I believe. Anyways. um, So it was like a a dedicated panel, but just for these folks. Like, how many were you total, would you say? Uh, Between 50 to 100. It was a okay. very small like event, and I sat in the front row. We, you know, yeah. And and they did a presentation all about what's called Heroes 2.0. There's a big update coming. It's on open beta right now, but it's coming within within a few weeks. I'm pretty sure. So they were just unveiling a whole bunch of new features. We're getting loot boxes, same as Overwatch. We're getting new skins, announcer packs, a whole bunch of trappings and heroes. All very big stuff for the heroes, you know, community. And uh, it was amazing. And then after that, we got to um, uh, we got to, to mingle, and then there was games. There was game stations set up with a projection screen. You know, lunch was served, and then we got a private um, one hour. Well, I think it was one hour, like Q and A session with some developers. And the developers were walking the floor, and we cornered them and talked to them as much as we could. And we got to hang out with people that we just know from the internet, and like random people, like this guy. Do you know who Chris Carter is from Destructoid? Uh, Anyways, he's I like think an I would have seen his name. He's an editor in chief there, and yeah. he he was of the older cast of folks, and so I think yeah. we we were his people. So he ended up hanging out with us a lot, and that was just cool. Just like right, like it's yeah. just, like I'm very disconnected from anything to do with any gaming community that in has anything to do with real life. 
aside from you. <laughs> so right. it was just like yeah, all yeah. kinds of, you know, notable. Yeah, no, you're, you're, do... what you mean by that is you're like, you're very much entrenched in certain communities, but only like because you're in Canada and they're all in the States, like yeah, only like, over the internet. Like I don't have any real life heroes connection to anything. I play on my computer with people on the phone and that's it. Like I have a different life outside of it. You know, I don't live and breathe it. And, and it made me feel like, wow. I could wake up in the morning and do this shit and be around people who also enjoy the game very much. And and so it was just a cool experience, you know. And it, I don't want to go through the entire travelogue of the entire but day, but the... I got questions. Yeah, yeah shoot. Did, did, you, uh, did you go into any sort of like office, the offices where stuff is being developed at all? No, unfortunately it was at an event location, so there's no opportunity yeah. to Blizzard, visit Blizzard HQ, which I would have loved to do. And if I could have yeah. shelled out for my own ticket... But I couldn't take the time off of work, so it was the point is moot. But if I would have stayed longer, I might have had a chance to go. But there'll always be next time. They do. Wait, sorry, you said shell out for your own ticket. Do they do tours? Like you can pay to go? No, 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 no. To... I mean plane ticket. Like so. Oh right. So yeah. There's very specific parameters if I wanted assistance to to go. So yeah. it had to be a short window. So, but like if I would have opted to book my own flight or something, that might have been different. However, was there any like statues or you know I associate Blizzard with like the crazy cosplay and like the statues and the figurines and the swords and the whatever, but like obviously you're not at the headquarters. But did did they do anything up like that or was there uh, any... Oh yeah, yeah, it was all it was all done up real well and and like yeah, super yeah. cool looking and just heroes related stuff everywhere. They had um, later on in the night when people started drinking, we had they had the shoutcasters like kind of joke shoutcasting the matches. That were be, like there was ten computers set up for five v five and a projector up top and yeah. you know they were just like oh they, people all kind of knew each other like they they, they work together like the casters work together the pro players like so they know yeah. each other and they were joking around about stuff and that was really cool and um, I got to play with some pros I got I'm undefeated I played four games up there and didn't lose a single match I just like to point out I was a good teammate always and um, <laughs> and I was the only baller picking. So there's like a new hero to try. So like everyone auto locks the new hero, and yeah, but like because I'm good at playing all the heroes uh, for the most part, I can just pick random select and play whatever. So I ballered that way. That's pretty cool. Did um did John Jagger go from core? Yeah, I got to meet John Jagger from core. That was the other big thing. Was just yeah, I've worked with him. It's too bad Scott couldn't make it, but he had a wedding. But I've worked with John and core for the longest time. Finally got to meet him in real life. I spooned him for a photo. It's great. Have you seen that photo? Yes. Yeah. So we have a cuddling photo. <laughs> the, incidentally, the community manager who invited me took it. We sent that to Scott to make him jealous that he didn't come. Uh, it's great. And um, uh, 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 I got to meet Kyle. Like I've worked a lot with Kyle from Into the Nexus and Garrett, but you know, in particular, Kyle, we've done streams together and played a lot. So just meeting them in real life was like amazing. Oh no, so for sure. Cool. It, yeah. It's there's this book Ready Player One that's uh, and they're being turned into a movie, a Steven Spielberg movie. But like a big part, a big turning point in the book, not turning point, but like a huge scene, um, is when he starts the protagonist starts meeting some of the main other characters outside of the the game right. and stuff right. and yeah. uh sometimes they're what you expect sometimes not you know uh i would imagine but no, uh, everyone I, I, those folks i knew well enough that they were as i expected but still it's an experience meeting people in real life for the first time so it's very cool. well that sounds they got uh, to know my clumsiness sweet. so we also closed at the hotel and Bo pulled a I'm starving. I need a pizza routine, and so ordered a like we all ordered personal pizzas. Anyways, I kicked mine and threw it all over the floor. That's typical. 
vintage bow so because the plane was so early we ended up staying up all night and it was really cool because the Brittany uh, that slashes the community manager invited me stayed up all night with us and um i guess i think it's her her boyfriend or uh fiance i'm not sure he's a game designer on heroes kyle dates and he was really nice and i wanted to speak to him more about shit but we just didn't have time um but we had uh like they closed like they stayed up with us all night till about three in the morning because we had to go catch our plane i thought that was super cool it's a monday for them it's a monday work day and they're hanging out with us to be fair so, though like that's not an everyday thing for them no, like no, they pro- no. they, th- of course not. they're working their asses off yes. on this thing they're in offices uh and yeah it's it's cool like but for them like you guys are the big the, you're meeting it's them meeting their fans but it's also they can then become fans of you guys you know they're probably listening to your shows and hearing um you know hearing your thoughts and so like for them they could be excited as well some of them could be as well it's interesting anyway yeah i, uh, I wasn't really thinking about it too much because it was definitely all just like ah, i'm in Irvine and like no no it was I'm, just I'm a, it was out of body experience because i'm in another country i never travel and I'm meeting a whole bunch of new people and I'm getting to just spend all my time with heroes and I get to learn new stuff. I still know things that you don't know about heroes that's coming and I love it. So it was a privilege. It was a great privilege and honor. When do you think, like when will all the content that you know about be like released to the point that you're, you'll now be on equal footing with everyone else. Like knowledge wise. What do you mean? Oh, uh, I like can't, how, how long? Until I can't, no, out? not saying shit yet. Not saying, okay. cause there's a lot of stuff announced on the hero's timeline right now. And I'm not, that's it. All right, fine. Whatevs, uh, whatevs. So, that was interesting. I, I'm actually keen to even know more details, but I'm not going to necessarily bore the listeners with the ins and outs of, of sure. your daily uh, your daily experience. I had Irvine. two beds in my hotel room. I only had to use one. That's great. I felt so privileged. <laughs> <laughs> you know, other children in Africa with no beds. Um, so so uh, what I think we should do is talk about the games we were, we were playing. Oh, oh yeah. And, and there's a that. segment on the show that we used to do that uh, I would like to do again, and it's called Games Per Minute. And let's uh, tee it up. This is Games Per Minute. Man, I really screwed that up. I pushed the button twice, and I haven't completely fixed everything. I don't know if you heard the echo. Hey, yeah. look. We can't be high quality on this one shot. We don't even know when we're going to be doing this again. Like, it's been it's a little fair. while. It feels weird. Familiar, but both we- weird. Anyways, Crofton, what have you been playing, man? I know what you've been playing, but for the listeners, what have you been playing? Or I've am been I playing first? Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> like, like how, what percent, since it, you've got it, what percentage of your game time is devoted to Zelda? Um, the, th- the thing is, it's tough because, you know, I have a mobile, uh, mobile. I talked about Super Mario Run. I've been playing. Yeah. I've also been playing this other game on mobile. And and mobile is one of those things that you can fit um, into a lot of spots. Like, but it, Zelda is taking up a hundred percent of my time that that I'm sitting down to play a console or a PC game. I haven't touched my PC. Haven't touched. Like I've been totally into Zelda um, since it since it came out. Like for over a month. Like, I was there pretty much day one. 
Um, so, okay, but yeah. let's do it like this because I don't want to uh, rant and rave and, and go well, on. I have some it. questions. Yeah, I ask have me some let, questions. Let me, let me ask questions. Um, so, so you know, all the reviews, uh, it's like I'm doing an interview. So, Crofton, I hear all of the reviews for Breath of the Wild were like tens. Like, literally, I saw an ad where they didn't, they barely had enough room for all the tens and five stars in the ad for it. And I was like, is it really that good? Because that's a big deal that everyone's saying it's that good. Is it that good? Like, is the question is, is this hype or is it real? It's both. And I know that that's dodging massively the answer. But um, I, I firmly believe that more games should be getting uh, 10 on 10s or 5 on 5s. Like, like it's like it, when you're reviewing movies, for a long time it was a five-star system. And, and there's a lot of five-star movies. It wasn't just one movie every – 10 years that was 10 you know five stars mm-hmm. with video games we've seemed to become like really obsessed with like a perfect score is like that the game is perfect and i don't think that that's that's fair because there's no such thing as a perfect game sure um so so do i think it deserves the scores that it's getting yes i do but i do think that um there are other games that that I played that would deserve similarly high scores and, and, and didn't necessarily get them. So part of it's hype. I guess, let me put it to you this way. When I see like a lot of tens like that, unless it's distinctly a genre game that's getting this kind of accolade, like a, you know, like a, like a deep strategy game, right? Like that I'd avoid. It almost feels like it's a must play as a gamer. Anything that is that much across the board with praise is something I gotta play. That being said, I haven't played much of Metal Gear Solid or Uncharted, and those are the other ten level games that come to mind. So it, it's strange. So um, the way I'd I'd answer that is I would say that uh, Nintendo is a company has been known like to put out some of the greatest games of all time. So when you when you Google the greatest games of all time across the board, generally the top 10 list is going to have some seminal Nintendo games. And and I think a lot of people Crazy. would say that it's been a while since that since they put one out. Sure. Probably probably Super Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 like they would be the ones that would be and then since then there there's been great games on the Wii U but nothing that's like pushing the bar forward they literally reinvent genres um okay. and um and I think I think for people that are really deep into video games um this is a game that does somewhat reinvent the action adventure um genre uh, and that's what's getting a lot of attention because i think unbeknownst to us um like sorry i'm I'm gonna make a, a quick tangent here like do you remember when grand theft auto 3 came out there was a and this is you know dating myself way back when up until that point 3d games like you know um uh games with sort of nice three-dimensional graphics were level by level you know you'd go through a level then you'd pass and you'd get to the next level and blah 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 the idea of open worlds didn't really exist right in a 3d space very much until grand theft auto 3 so that changed the game it changed the way people were playing and i would argue that and i think one of the reasons breath of the wild is getting a lot of attention is it in many ways is doing the same same thing um and and it has to do with the fact 
that a lot of games of the past five, ten years Mm -hmm. have been made using a template in a way. Like, and I, and I don't want to point the finger at Ubisoft or uh, other companies, but if you play Far Cry or Watch Dogs or Assassin's Creed, yeah. you're essentially playing the same game-ish, um, just yeah. with, like, tweaks to an existing formula. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying, yeah. So, so uh, and there's a lot of other games like that in that space. So open worlds are very popular, but it's, like, it's always the same type uh, like same type, same advantages, limitations, and it feels like Nintendo. They released first off a huge open world, like it is big, and it's so weird playing a game like Zelda in such a big world because it's like bigger than Skyrim by far. It's like it's huge, and it's so it's so weird. Um, but at the same time, it's like it it's super high quality everywhere so it feels like the whole world is being totally handcrafted and and so when you first play it it's immediately immersive and fun to play but it's only as you play it you're like holy shit like this is the quality of a, a, a mainline mario zelda game but expanded to this massive amount of space and and that's that's mind-boggling but then they also changed the way that you navigate around the world like them a, a lot of attention has been given to the fact that you can climb anything um and and that um even in games like assassin's creed based on climbing yeah there's a lot of places they don't let you go for whatever reason sure um there's no there's no place like that in Zelda really. Yeah, so uh, is, is it really that loose? Like is it really that like is the freedom really there? Cuz I haven't watched it any much gameplay other than I know it looks gorgeous, but but you can looks, really climb it, anything? Like It looks nice, but it can look like the graphics are nice. It it, yeah. it looks good. The art direction is great. It's just that that because you're doing some of this climbing, sometimes you're in close with the textures and um sometimes it can look not not great but um the the climbing is just uh it's based on a stamina wheel that you can upgrade and so at the beginning there are places that you pretty much you can go pretty much anywhere you just have to prep for it because there are potions and food and stuff that you can make that will increase your that will recharge your stamina Mm -hmm. and so like you'd have to prep a bunch of food or potions before you climb something really steep or something really whatever because you only have one stamina wheel now i have two full stamina wheels right now and i know there's people that have even got a third and more or whatever um and uh, you you may recall in previous Zeldas, you collect four pieces of heart, and you would up your heart bar. Uh, yeah. to do, you played other yeah, Zeldas? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, they've changed that. And they, they've changed it so that you do these four mini dungeons, if you will, and, and, and then you can cash in. You get an orb for each one you do. You can cash in, and you can either increase your hearts or you can increase your stamina. And it is, hmm. it is, a, it is a choice where I'm like, oh, man – um, I, I really, really wish, especially at the beginning, I just thrown more, more of it on, on stamina. Um, and these dungeons, these like, I, I call them dungeons, they're called shrines in the game. And there's like a hundred of them. And a lot of them, you have to solve puzzles to reveal. A lot of them you have to ex- explore and find, but it, they almost all have, um, a series of puzzles inside of them to get to the end and so the amount of work that's just gone into the shrines is ridiculous like 
Um, and I can't think of a collectible in games that has been more like, I got to get them all than the shrines. Uh, and 100 sounds like a lot. But in this game world, it's not like each area might have like four shrines. Uh, and because the game world's so big, like um, and, and maybe two of them are revealed and, and you get you can climb to them or get to them. And maybe some of them might you might have to solve a puzzle to even to even reveal so anyway it's it's really um the content is 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 great the controls are are are, are solid they're a variant of the um the z targeting and all that stuff that was originally introduced in ocarina of time uh still still good there's there are foibles like the weapons break all the fucking time and you can't replace them they just explode and they're gone wow. um and uh, you get used to that and like you start dealing with things in different ways and there's certain legendary weapons that you can like get repaired and so how um, annoying is the weapons breaking bit by the way is it like is it an uh, is it an interesting mechanic to to need to use your stuff intelligently or is it annoying it's annoying like i mean like i'm used to it now and now it's interesting in the like i i've learned how to not game the system but I, I learned how to figure some stuff up, but it it is annoying. Like in the in the end of um, at the end of the day, it's it's a bunch of legwork that you have to do to be sure that you don't run out of weapons. Because, for instance, you have a certain amount of inventory slots, and and there are, you can upgrade that part of your character. You can upgrade your inventory slots for okay. either shields, weapons, or um, bows and arrows okay and there's this character you go see to upgrade those but you can only really get to that character fairly deep into the game and you have to pay him with these things called korok seeds and korok seeds are obtained by finding these korok characters that are hidden in the in the world and generally you do that by solving a, a small puzzle and that's one of the things that that, that really shows you how handcrafted this world is because like you have to look at the world when you go into a forest it's not just like cut and paste cut and paste it's like everything is different oh there's a tree trunk there and then there's like an acorn on the top of this tree well what if i take that acorn and i put it in the hollow tree trunk oh wait it reveals a korok i get a seed you know like there's there are all tons of puzzles and there are i think i read 900 korok seeds like 900 it's ridiculous and so uh but then then you they're upgrade. all locked behind like interesting places to get right you don't just find yes. them off mobs or no whatever. you never just find them you've always got to huh. solve something and like sometimes it's straight but like for example if there's you may see a giant tall mountain yeah. and you or a tall hill or something and you climb all the way to the top and on the top all there is is a little rock and then you pick up the rock and surprise underneath is a korok you know and you're like here's a korok seed so what it does is it make it adds worth to exploring into going to places that you would not go to otherwise you always know like when you you look at an area and you survey it and and that's another thing surveying is very important because the map doesn't just populate itself with a bunch of icons like these other games. It rewards you looking at the environment. Like you climb up these – yes, like the other games, you climb up towers. But then you have like pretty much binoculars and then you place the markers. And and people are drawing – like they're saying that it's very much like in old games that you play on the NES or on your PC where you would draw a map yourself. Hmm. Um, they kind of embrace that spirit. 
Um, and so because of that, it's it, it's really fun. Honestly, it's a game that gets you get more and more into as you play it. And in that way, it's like The Witcher 3. Um, or like a the, Zelda game, because really Zelda is kind of like that, like even Super NES days. Like it's the more the you more play, you it, the more invested, yeah, you mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. The difference though with the like, I know a ton of people who I check their Steam library and I check The Witcher Three, and they've played, I don't know, two hours. They haven't gotten out of the tutorial area. They haven't whatever. Like I love The Witcher Three, love, love, love The Witcher Three, but. The thing I'll give Zelda over it any day of the week is that like you can just like gives you have somebody start playing Zelda and and the the way they get you into the game is just perfect. Like nobody's dropping after two hours of playing Zelda. If you put two hours into Zelda, you're guaranteed in for the long haul. There's no way that you're you're dropping it. Like the immersion time is fast and and the tutorial, the way it's all set up is is great. Um, it's yeah. Anyway, it. I it I could say I could say tons and tons of good things. There's so many neat systems. That's another thing people talk about and, and I agree with. Like a lot of systems are interconnected. Things that you sort of take for granted, Bo, when you're playing other games. Well, I heard that like, like you can get caught on fire. There's if you have metal armor and it's stormy out, you get hit by lightning. Yeah, like and I've... that's that's extreme examples of things, but like like I've you know you, I've had a lot of games where they, you just, you suspend disbelief because things happen like, and you're, and you're like, okay, my, my arm just went through this cloth thing, but that's, I guess that's a clipping thing or whatever. Or, you know, I'm using this, this weapon, um, this ice sword in a fire dungeon and for some reason it's not melting but whatever i don't give a shit it's a magic sword you always have reasons to suspend disbelief but in zelda everything like the chemistry of the game like be it like hot cold lightning um the interactions between uh different groups like for instance i'll give you an example I there's there's all different types of arrows you can get. One of the yeah. arrows had bomb have bombs at the end. Bombs. And, uh, okay, bombs. bombs. I thought you said bongs. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like you shoot enemies, they just get high, start walking yeah. crookedly. No, um the uh the bombs, the way the, the one thing is I was I was climbing this volcano and I was using my bomb arrows and I would pull one out yeah. and it would immediately explode. And almost kill me. Oh my and god! And I didn't really realize. I thought an enemy was shooting me from somewhere. I couldn't see, so I kept reloading and and trying to find <laughs> the enemy. And I pull out my. But soon, I realized that it was that I was pulling out the arrows, and that the heat because I was in a hot air area, it set off the bomb like on on. Oh, the, okay, yeah, it was uh, on the arrow. It yeah. just caused it to explode because those things are programmed to sort of react together. <laughs> it didn't and blow it, up in your bag, but when you pulled it out and notched it into your bow, <laughs> then it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's right like until until the items in the right. world yeah. like yeah. the item isn't really introduced to the world until you pull it out right so but but there's other stuff like like i was one of your powers is to create these ice blocks and you can climb the ice blocks but i had a giant spear on my back yeah. and so when i climbed the ice block like my guy was sort of like the the end of the spear hit the ice block and the block shattered and i realized like like had oh. I equipped a, a smaller sword, then it doesn't happen, and you can just climb up it. And I was like, "Oh man, that's crazy that they thought of that." But they're it's 
it's not as much that they think about it. I think it's that they've created all these systems and they all work together so well. And like I remember mm. on a previous episode of VXM, I was talking about The Witcher. And you may remember I talked about the fact that in The Witcher you have like three or four magic spells. That's it. Yeah. But what was so cool about them was unlike Skyrim where you could foos, roda, all these items in a room. Yeah. Um, e- but most of the other spells didn't really react with anything in the witcher like mm. if you did a fire spell on a torch it would light the torch like the the stuff interacted with the world like you didn't feel like you were just doing this magic in a vacuum all the spells had an effect on on the world well zelda is like that to the 10th degree it's like all of your abilities all of your powers all of the weather um you know when it's raining rocks are slippery so you can't climb them as well you know like all of that stuff just works together so seamlessly and it, mm. it really enriches the experience. So definitely um, there's a lot of work, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work that's gone into this game. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, just, so, I threw up some gameplay on, on our stream there while you were talking about it just because I wasn't yeah. saying too much and I was watching it while you were listening to you. And it looked like this game basically makes me want to buy a Switch. Like, which is, I think, like, I, I'm actually... I was very anti Nintendo for quite a period of time, but but it, this actually looks like a pretty fabulous game. Well, it's also a game that really works for hardcore gamers that would nor- normally not touch on Nintendo. In many ways, it's the perfect launch title mm. um, because yeah, I desperately wanted to play it so much so I bought a dead console to play it uh, because that seemed like the quickest way to get it into my eyes. And, uh, and it, <laughs> and it was, and honestly, I have no regrets because this is the thing when we talked about the Witcher, um, like the amount of money that I, the amount of time I spent on that game, like say heroes for you, heroes of the storm. Yeah. Let's say that you, it's free to play and you can buy the heroes, but let's say somebody said to you, Bo, it's going to cost you, a thousand dollars to play heroes to, to play right. heroes of the storm for the rest of your life you'll never have to pay again but it's like it's at a thousand dollars we've decided this game costs a thousand dollars and you'd have the exact same experience you have now but you have to pay a thousand dollars well you knowing what you know now would easily spend that money like like you would try you'd be like okay absolutely i put a zillion hours into the, this game definitely is worth a thousand dollars to mm-hmm, me personally mm-hmm, yeah. well just like I know that The Witcher, to me, I could have spent like multiple hundred dollars on it and felt like I got good value. Well, Zelda has made me buying this dead Wii U. I haven't even opened any of these other games. I got like a bunch of other games and I haven't opened any of them. And already the 400 bucks I spent on the Wii U and Zelda and these games, I'm like, it's totally worth it just for Zelda. Like that's that's how good of um, of a game it is. So anyway, I I, I won't go into more, de- more detail because I've already talked a lot about it. No, but I, I, I was I, really excited to hear what you had to say about it because – I know you're fickle about your games, and I knew you would have a, a good opinion about whether or not the hype was real or not, because you're not going to waste your time on some trivial crap. And I do. You know should you ask me the Nintendo. question that that you that there should be one question that you should be asking that based on I've already foreshadowed it a bit, but oh, like, should I buy it? No, no, about me and, and oh it. yeah, like, what uh, percentage of time? Like how how late do you, do you stay up playing this? Like. How, oh, much, um, how irresponsible has this game made you? 
it, for a while I was pretty irresponsible, but lately it's like I definitely I think about my Zelda time. But I now I'm at the point oh. where I've unlocked a lot of the map, and I don't want to I don't want to finish it uh, too quickly. Um, and after a month, the fact that that I'm I'm thinking about that is big. But I'll generally play like an right. hour. Like if you averaged it out over the course of the month, it'd probably only end up being like an hour and a half a day tops. Yeah. But that that's because there's some days I spend four hours on it, and then there's some days I spend no time at all. I know what question I, I just you want don't me have to ask. The time. I know it, how sick will it make me? What 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 effect does it, will this game have on Bo? Well, see, here's he the thing, Bo. You it. have said in the past that you you're not um, overly into open world games, and part of it is because you know yourself and you know that you'd be like just obsessively yeah. playing it and and needing that sense of completionist and stuff. The difference I'd say with this game is that you would get more enjoyment out of it than a lot of the other ones where you're just picking up icons to complete things but not really doing anything. Definitely if you get into it like it will be all encompassing of your life for <laughs> I would imagine knowing the amount of time you can dump into it maybe three weeks and then you would be done done look i, I but, i'm working right now it's hard to dump time into games and i'm, I'm gonna tell i'm gonna share with you my a story this week okay but before you do yeah, yeah. you still the question that you should be asking me bo i'm not is, thinking of it i don't know why <laughs> based on the history of this podcast yeah. you should be asking me is what in my opinion is better the witcher 3 or Zelda. That's true. This show did turn into the Witcher Three podcast for a good. For me, it did. Remember, I I said that like I yeah. feel comfortable saying this is one of my favorite games of all time about the Witcher Three isn't while it, playing isn't it? it. On the surface level, I just look at them as different games. So I'm interested to hear your take though, because I haven't played it. So so is it better than Witcher Three? Do you they think are it's di- better? They are different games. Yeah. Like, but they're not like they're both, you know, 3D action adventure games. Uh, with role-playing elements they have honestly in terms of what you could compare to zelda out there i would say the witcher 3 is pretty close as close as you're going to get the difference the major difference is that the zelda goes a hundred percent into gameplay Mm. and witcher 3 is very heavy on characters and story um and and world building I couldn't give two shits about the story in Zelda, okay? Like, and really, you're not even supposed to that much, although there are cutscenes and voice well, acting. Seems, hang on. It seems to me The Witcher 3 is, like, War and Peace, and and Zelda is, like, a fairy tale. Like, it's it speaks in abstractions so that you can endow some of your own meanings on things, whereas Witcher is, like, very much a dense narrative and I haven't, Zelda play, has, I haven't played either, but that's just my guess. You know the story of Zelda pretty much if you've played Ganon's Zelda here. After he stole Ocarina. Zelda. Get Zelda back. Zelda's in stuff like, there's Ganon. There's Zelda. There's the Zora. There's the Gorons. Yeah. Like I mean, you. It's that's not the selling but point it, it's for intended Zelda. Intended to be that way, though, right? Like that's yeah. Yeah, it's intended to. So to answer your question. My preferred game of the two as a 37-year-old man is The Witcher 3. And, oh, and, suck it, Zelda. <laughs> really? and, that's, and that has to do with the fact that like, like um, The Witcher 3 is a mature, dark fantasy. That, There's that boobies has, in Witcher 3. That, that I mean. has, 
that is tons of like <laughs> detailed sto- detailed story plot subquests uh, like like I think of the bloody baron quest I think of all sorts of stuff and people like to rail it's like a cool thing now to rail on the gameplay of the witcher 3 but especially when you compare it to <laughs> it games is. like skyrim um it it has a really great gameplay like it's but I will say that Zelda's gameplay is better it's better across the board hmm. and the world is the, the world, the way the world is crafted in Zelda, Witcher, Witcher has a lot to discover as well. Don't get me wrong. Tons to discover. It's bigger than Zelda. I'm pretty sure. But, but Zelda has uh, like, everything is so handcrafted that, um, that, that, that adds a lot. And so, you know, I think that, that also Zelda is a game that I'll come back to, that I'll play again. I could see myself playing again. I'm not saying I won't play The Witcher 3 again, but it's a much bigger investment for mm-hmm. me. Like the Zelda is light, The Witcher 3 is heavy, you know, like there is there is some of that stuff as well. But for me in terms of emotional takeaways and and what I'll look back and if I did a personal ranking list, I would put I would put Witcher above uh, I would put The Witcher 3 above Zelda. So that's the boobies. I'm pretty sure it was that. Was sure, it's the boobies, right? It's it, a, yeah. You just don't want so, to say it, but I know. But before I just gush on and talk more about Zelda, you yeah. mentioned that there is a game other than Heroes of the Storm you have been playing. Please tell me what it is. Oh my is. god, yes! I, I actually so so since we last did the episode, um, I think all I was doing was playing Heroes of the Storm, and you know, part of it was I got pretty busy, and, and Crofton did too. But you know, really, I think it was me that got more on the busy side. So. Um, the reason we're doing this is Mike was busy, so he said, hey, let's do an exclamation mark. Um, but also that I wasn't playing a lot of new games, so Crofton was, even though you had your stretch of playing Witcher 3, right, you were playing new games, and I, it's just what's new in Heroes of the Storm and Blizzard stuff. I am actually bought a new game. Uh, it was on Steam sale. I've been eyeballing it for a long time. It, this game is called Stellaris. And um, you can look it up on Steam, Crofton, if you want to get a peek at what it is. I, I, I've actually already looked it up because I knew that you were playing it. And honestly, I had never heard of this game before. So, uh, but Paradox... It's, it's on sale on Green Man Gaming right yeah. now, incidentally. But you, you've, you've heard of... Are you familiar with Paradox Interactive, like the publisher? Yeah, but not for the games that... Like, they do the, Crusader Kings. Like, yeah, um, you no. know, a lot of... They have the Pillars of Eternity and Tyranny games under yes, them as well. Yes, that's... That's it, yeah. and uh, the, the those adventure games with the, the they, cartoony art style. Apparently, they did a Magicka game, uh, Wizards of the Square Tablet. Oh, Magicka? Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, I Hearts, like but, I mean, they're a publisher, right? So there's different teams that work with them. I don't think they, they develop everything they have. But anyways, okay. um, they do a lot of strategy stuff. Uh, strategy is a big thing for, for that studio. But I never really played any of the strategy games. But this one, it came out touted as Civilization in Space. And you might be saying Crofton, or Bo. Crofton, you might be saying, Bo, didn't Civilization have a space edition called, I think it was called Beyond Earth? Beyond Earth. And that was quite good, but Beyond Earth was disappointing in one sense because it's literally, it's just another planet, okay? So so Sid Meier's Beyond Earth is, let, let your civilization on a new planet, and you just stay on the one planet, and yeah, there's sci-fi stuff, but there's nothing spacey about it. And this game, Stellaris, have you, did you ever play Master of Orion? No, see, it's funny. No, I did not, yeah. and it's one of those. It's one of it's those voids in, in, my, in my MS DOS uh, mm. memory bank. 
so like I played like you know Star Control and a bunch of other sort of space set games, Wing Commander, but I never played Master yeah. of Orion. Master of Orion is a two, two in particular. I played a bit of three. I think four was Pooh. There actually is the guys who do the World of Tanks have released a Master of Orion to I think kind of poopy reviews so far, but there is a relaunch of Master of Orion available. But this game is touted. It's the four X genre, right? Master of Orion is the the big one. Stellaris was an entry kind of out of nowhere, but I've been hearing good things about it, and so I bought it, and I'm playing it, and it's fun. And there's not much to say other than it's what what do you think it is, which is you got to build up, you know, I'm playing as humans is the first one, and you got to build up the Earth, and then you colonize planets and big build war fleets and research technology and conquer ground and use diplomacy. But it has some nice touches. Something I'm looking forward to is you can play uh, as a hive mind, race you can play as alien races which do weird things and one of them is the hive mind and hive minds can't engage engage in diplomacy so isn't the zerg a hive mind yeah it is yeah they don't engage in diplomacy (laughs) 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 so i'm not sure where you're going but yeah um but like and it's when you go to take over a planet usually like in the game you can vassalize people or subjugate them or integrate them into your society if you're like a uh, uh, democratic um, free thinking people you can bring alien races into your own race and have them integrate with you like I'm playing earth and I have like eight different races under the earthlings and I'm part of a federation like in Star Trek it's amazing so many options in it but hive mind can only turn other populations into food (laughs) when they meet them because they don't know what else to do with them it's amazing and you can play as a xenophobic race or a xenophile yeah question so you know um what's the super nerdy bird board game i played one time with you the twilight In, imperium yeah twilight imperium Ooh, twilight imperium is it is it like a video game version of twilight yes. imperium yes uh, now believe it or not that sounds moderately appealing to me and i know what you're thinking you're thinking crofton you don't like this type of game you didn't like civilization you're likely not going to like this but at the same time I, I I remember enjoying Twilight Imperium. Can, can you play it? Is this a multiplayer game? There is a multiplayer fat component. I'm not sure how it works because the single player mode that I'm playing, you know how Civ and XCOM have like end turn? Yeah. There's no end turn. It's like FTL. You push space to pause. Otherwise, you let the simulation go. So I'm not sure how they're going to handle that in multiplayer. How often are you hitting space? Oh, all the time. It's got the, the that fun little thing because right now I have... 47 systems well planets that i own a lot of them you can turn into sectors and they self-manage so you don't have to manage all 47 but i have 15 core systems which i have to upgrade buildings for and defend the game is like it's super fun like um for example if you research ai see you can research droids and then you can use droids to populate your planet to do work for you but if you research ai it's a dangerous technology and they can revolt and form their own empire and like Take like your planets gap. from you. Yep, exactly. Like that, you can screw yourself by researching it. It's you, cool. you know, you know, one thing you just pointed out was one yeah. of the stressors that I have in in games. You mentioned the open world thing, how like you get like, oh god, oh god, or yeah. when it's not like guided. For me, you know, in an RTS game like like Warcraft or Starcraft, you're building things and you queue up three things or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, and then at one point. 
you're not paying attention and there's like five guys outside of one of the buildings that you've built <laughs> uh-huh. and like you're not building anything more and you haven't given them a rally point or something like they're they're just all crowded around the building or yeah. or in Warcraft you have a bunch of serfs or whatever peons or yeah. that are doing nothing around your that stresses the fuck out of me. I'm like, when, when, when I go back and I'm like, oh no, I didn't do that. Oh geez, they're, they're doing nothing. Come on guys, go mine the gas. Oh God. You know, like that sort of thing. So so yeah. to me, this sounds like very stressful because you hit spa- space to pause. So if you're not hitting space, like a bunch of shit could be going on and yeah. you've got to be on top of it. Yeah, well, there's a notification system like in Civ, so you do get alerted for things, and then there's stops where it'll automatically pause for you. But I'll tell you one thing that happened that I didn't realize was happening was that... Um, so so there was a... Um, I was building up my empire, and then these bird people messaged me, <laughs> okay? And they're like, hey, Earthlings, we don't have a planet and we need a planet. There's a planet in your system that we'd like to take. We'd like to land on and take. And what uh, planet was it? Was it Uranus? <laughs> no. It was some planet. I don't remember the name. That was it. That um, was a gas planet, so they couldn't they could have had it if they wanted so, to. So <laughs> So I'm like, sure, take the planet. And I because I'm learning the game, I didn't realize it actually reduced the amount of territory I could, oh. It took. I didn't realize what the planet name was actually, and there was another habited planet in there of industrial age people, so they weren't space firing. So I had an observation set post set up there to to study them for, and it gives you research points. Was and... that planet Uranus? <laughs> no, it was a trick uh... question. That's a gas planet. You couldn't have been able to research <laughs> post there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so let me, let me finish the story. So anyways, what ended up happening is I, I wanted that system because I eventually wanted to learn how to, to bring them up into the space age. Like that was the long-term goal is you can take these industrial ones and give them science and bring them into your, into your life. But they ended up taking over the, the, the system, which means I couldn't do that stuff anymore. I was pissed. So I decided to go and um, I asked them, you know what? We're going to vassalize you. You're my serfs now. So you're going to give us 50% of everything <laughs> and then that was fine i was like i'll leave it at that then while i wasn't paying attention some of my humans because there's factions within your own civilization helped to liberate them and they became an independent nation i was like what the hell why are they independent and i contacted them like screw you we don't like you guys and i was like but you're just a weak little planet so i sent a giant army to bombard the planet from space and once i killed everything except you because I'm a, a, a peace-loving nation, I can't purge planets, but I can kill their fortifications, right? But you, I, You're a peace-loving nation that just dropped the mother of all bombs on some planet? We don't have a, pol- a purge policy. Purging is for races that, you know, or uh-huh. governments that are okay with purging, but my government is not. And so so we killed all their defenses, and I sent an army down to kill their army. And then I revassalized them. But what I loved about it was that some of my own guys helped to liberate them. Like, they did the right yes. thing. But I was like, you screwed my plans for my empire. So, How much is – is there random – like, are are the races random races? Or are they all – or – No, they're, they're preset, but you can randomize. And you can actually make your own races in this game. So if I wanted to make, like, a – some hive mind human thing i probably could like, like you can create your own race just, I just for example the, there's two default human races there's the ones from earth and then there's the ones lost in space who are xenophobes and sort of have a they have a pro purge policy 
So like what happens is if you do things that are that are against the ethos of your empire, you suffer penalties, right? So we don't, question, we don't purge planets. We're not purifiers. I <laughs> question how do you win? I don't know yet. I'm still in my first game. So <laughs> I think the win conditions are I have to own 40% of the planets or 60% of the planets in my in my federation. And I have formed a federation with two other empires, which sounds amazing, except it's annoying because when it's their turn to lead the federation, they declare war. And then because I have and two... They're, and they're controlled by so, the computer? So we have three empires in the federation... So every time one declares war, the other one always votes yes. And I'm like, no. And they're like, whatever, we're going to war. And then <laughs> guess guess who's on the border of the strongest enemy empire? Me. So I get I get attacked by the damn empire, and they don't have to suffer any consequences. I like these guys already. Yeah, I know. They're the super troll AI. It's so annoying. <laughs> and And the other interesting thing about war in this game is that you can't just see what happens in Civ is you can get so strong that even though you're trying to win a cultural victory, you can just annihilate people. You can just be like, I'm going to war and kill. In this game, when you declare war, you have to declare specific... You have to ante up. Basically, they get to pick if they win what they get, and you get to pick what you win. Okay? And the more stuff you ask for, the higher war score you need to have. So when you go to war and do a bunch of shit, if you don't meet the score and end up surrendering, you don't get anything. So you're almost kind of protected from getting wiped out. It's really interesting. So someone could declare war on you, get a couple of your systems occupied, and in civilization that probably means you lose them and and you lose a lot of advantage in the game. If you don't meet the conditions for the war score, you don't get anything. So it reverts it back to normal. Like you got to build some stuff back up, but it's not punishing. So I really like how they handle war in this game. It's very diplomatic. It's cool. I got two questions. Yep. One you know me. Would Are I like this of... game? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so I think we're because... going to end it there. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Other than there's no, 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 cool no. interactions. I, I'm, game, inter- but... I'm interested in hearing it. Yeah. The reason I asked that is, like I mentioned earlier, it's on sale right now. Uh, Green Man G- uh, Gaming is having a sale on all Paradox or whatever that company is, all their games. Yeah. And it's like 50% off. So oh, nice. Um, yeah. But, but uh, you know, I got a lot of games on my plate. But if you thought that I would really like this so, one, then I would, yeah. I would if, for if sure. If you like Civilization and want to play it in space, play this game. If you like 4X, play this game, absolutely. Let me tell you a story about, I played it on the weekend. I put in a lot of hours, whatever. This week, I've gone to bed consistently at 3 a.m. and gotten up somewhere between 7 and 8. I am fucking tired because I stay up too late yeah. playing this damn game every goddamn this week it is it, so do you do you I'm, still play heroes i've taken a little break 2.0 is not out yet so i'm like eh, this is a good time to get lost in another game for a little bit yeah. so I, i'll be playing team league on saturday um but i haven't been playing that much just because Delaris is good and i'm still in the same game because this is like my yeah. tutorial game we're close to the end game now but here's like another thing that happened like all of a sudden you're at the end game in these buttholes called the Unbidden are a super technological race that were hiding from us that have high-powered shit came in and started annihilating everything. And it's one of the endgame crises that can happen. And they're sounds still there. Like, yeah, yeah, like there's a lot that sounds like Mass Effect in this thing. Yeah, but yeah. It's... Like they, they, it's tropey with all kinds of science stuff. You can bring up, you can build a ring world like in the, the what's the hub in Mass Effect? Whatever it's the, uh, the citadel. Citadel. You can build a citadel-like structure. It takes a really long time. I'm not done mine, but 
Um, it, it's it's a crazy, crazy game. And then what happened was they're like these energy dicks. Like they're just dicks, and they're just like we're just here to kill everything, and they're energy beings. But then it's funny because after a little while of being in our system, a yellow energy being appeared and said, "Hey, this is where you get off to." Got off to. And they started fighting the yellow energy beings, started fighting the purple energy beings. I'm like, what is going on in my game? It's like I'm, I'm just looking. I'm, so I'm yeah. looking at it in Steam here. Yeah. First off, it says there's new content available, so I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, was there an expansion? I, I, there's an expansion pack, which I totally bought at full price. Cause but, like, I love but, this game already. But the thing is, I'm looking at the... Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at the screenshots, and I'm like, holy... Fuck, this game is super complicated looking. This looks like an Al game. Yeah, Al Vilnov, our good friend, would definitely like this game. But what's great about it is that, and I know this is going to sound insane to you, but it's simple. It's it's not spreadsheet the game. It's not like I've played, I've tried to play harder stuff that I couldn't get my head around. It just looks like the complicated games, but it's actually pretty well done. Uh, I know that's not convincing, but still. No, I. What you're saying is for a type for a game like this, it it's um, it's simple. Uh, I get it. There's one. Um, there's one game like every once in a while, I'll buy the humble bundles, uh, and I'll get a bunch of games. And one of the games I got, the, I think the last collection I bought, I got the uh, Home World, which was a game that I think came out around the year 2000 or 1999. They did a remastered version of it, and uh, I wonder if it's similar, like um, to What's this game to this Home type World? of game. It's called Home World. Uh, I think Home World is more campaign. Like it's a strategy game, but it's more yeah. campaign driven than it is. Yeah, like, it's campaign driven. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like it's missions um, based. I, it's um, really to, good. Like a lot of people are fans of Homeworld. I hear the remaster is pretty faithful and, and good. But no, I know it's it's just I have like it's funny looking at my Steam Steam listing, and then I've got these these Wii U games and all this, and and that's um, you know we talk about this before on this show and about the AAA material that material <laughs> that is like you feel like yes I spent a lot of time with it, but man that that was time well spent. Um, and I think we both have stuff going on like that now, and that's fun. Like, I really do like it, and I feel that that was missing a lot for me from 2016. And honestly, I feel like there's been a bit of a Japanese game renaissance lately. Okay. Um, like, I recently played Final Fantasy 15. I talk about it on a future episode. I talked, I've been, um, Resident Evil 7 came out earlier this year, Persona 5, everybody's going nuts for. And all of and Zelda and all of these games have have essentially broken away from their traditional formula, except maybe Persona have, have broken away from their traditional formula, taken risks and it's and it's paid off. And um, it used to be that the Western games were where it, where it was at. You know, everybody was talking about the next big Western release, but it feels like so far 2017, it's been all about Japanese games. And and I know I'm a little behind on this, like with the Wii U, and I know everybody's talking about it with the Switch, but the portability is huge for me. Like, so you know that the the idea with the Wii U bow is that you have a tablet controller, mm-hmm. and um, the the original N- Nintendo idea was that you could do like 
you know, you could play games where there would be a second screen, so maybe the map is on your yeah, controller. Yeah, you manage or your maybe... inventory down there or something. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. or um, they had gameplay techniques. They had stuff like uh, hidden games where one, you know, multiplayer games where, like, I could see something on my screen that you can't see on the TV, you know, or whatever. Like, yeah. there's stuff they had in mind for the Wii U. That was their big innovation. Mm-hmm. The Switch's big innovation is that you can take it anywhere. Um but you can't it doesn't have that that second screen it's like you have to dock it when you want to play it at home so zelda doesn't use the second screen on my wii u but what's really cool is that all i have to do is tap the second screen and the whole game will go onto it like i can play zelda on my wii u gamepad the entire game on it it's like like a portable game it's like a giant game boy or something and i know it's not as great as the portable switch i get that but like i i'm not going to be playing it on the bus I'm not going to be playing it in my office. Where am I going to be playing it? At home. Like, I can play Zelda in my bed, which is awesome. Like, I'll be, you know, Jessie will be like, I want to watch my show on the big TV. And she can. And I can be playing Zelda up in bed. Or, like, my daughter. I have a toddler. And sometimes she's playing downstairs and I have, like, a you know – a half hour upstairs and I'm like I'm able to play Zelda on it on it and that's due to the technology and I know it's even greater for people with switches they can take them out they can go out and about with them and stuff but honestly that's a huge thing for adults that game and I'm really appreciating it a lot a lot more like the idea um like and I didn't get a gamer laptop and a gamer laptop is a bit cumbersome but but this is the idea that you can just like play your main game and lose nothing except like a smaller screen right just just tapping like it's so i tap the screen and it's there it just takes it off the tv and puts it there there's no lag there's no anything there's no loading if i want it back boom i put it right back and so i find that really cool and i i hear a lot of people podcasting podcasting and talking about the switch saying like they wish all their games were on the switch and like when i think about my steam library like there's a lot of shit in my steam library bo that is like not top graphics like like your game you're playing right now i guarantee you no it's not top graphics not by a long say it could be say it could run on the switch well everybody wants their games to run on the switch now because the idea that you could just like take it and go and play a little bit of it here's the thing is that console gaming has always had a sense even on mobile that it's behind some generations right like when you had game boy you had super nintendo so it's like, yeah, I got portable gaming, but it's always a crustier version. Yes, yeah, what right. What Switch has done is said, we're meeting now in the middle, and we're giving you our next-gen gaming on console and on your TV. And there's a lot of skepticism leading up to it, especially since Nintendo's, you know, kind of got weird policies, and people feel a certain way about them lately. Seems to be a resounding success that everyone's like, yes, give me all my next-gen games to go and at home. Like, this is what we should be expecting now from a lot of uh, games. And you think that's fair? Like, do you want to play HD, Witcher on the go? Which is cool because Nintendo's original, the last it's, console it's not, I had was the Wii, it's and not it wasn't 720p, even HD. Or is is the Switch what? 1080? Is the Switch handheld 1080p or? It it depends what the game is and what. But I think the screen is 1080p, but like they don't all display. I think at 1080p. Right. Okay. I think, for example, Zelda. It's a 720p touchscreen. I just googled it. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. But well, it's Zelda totally fine is, for games. I think right. One of the concerns was the performance of Zelda is it's at its best on the Switch in portable mode because when it's docked, it's at 900p, and when it's portable, it's at 720p. 
And so, um, hmm. so people were saying like, in in that version at 900p would have some lag. And I will say that there is some slowdown. And sometimes I I think I'm like, oh, I wish I could just play this game on my supercomputer or like my and and get a really great performance out of it. But it's not such a nagging feeling that that it replaces how awesome it is to be able to just like take take the game and move it elsewhere. And now that it's Nintendo's in the HD era. Because for a while, like when they had the Wii and everything was not HD, it was really brutal. But now they're in the HD era. It doesn't matter so much that their graphics aren't PS4 quality. Like, like sure, sure. Zelda is more impressive than most of the PS4 games I'm yeah. playing. Gra- yeah. it, graphically, based on all the elements that it's doing and its art direction, I feel like we're at a point where Nintendo games are pretty close to as good as they need to look. Like, yeah. how, how great do you need Mario well, to look? 4K is around the corner. Like, 4K, like, we're not there yet, but 4K is around the corner. Like, Nintendo has a window where even where this is going to be good it's gonna, they're going to have fantastic artistic style and have decent resolution but then there'll be the not 4k system i think xbox is working on project scorpio um i'm hearing yeah yeah it'll have, be you know, a, announced at e3 the details in both xbox yeah. and the ps4 are supposed to be 4k um yeah i you know maybe maybe it'll happen but my my feeling is that 4k is one of those technologies that is like people are pretty happy with 1080p like um the, the yes there are a lot of people that like or enthusiasts and that will enjoy 4k and god knows i'm one of them but i think most people like yeah will be... the self-proclaimed graphics whore as you said on uh, several times on yeah, the yeah. show you're like like i i respect nintendo for what it can do with always the limited hardware sizes and machinery that it does with its exclusive games but the rest of the gaming industry is looking towards you know that sweet 4k resolution that makes crofton's mouth water and he's like yeah (laughs) no i hear that look we've gone long here we should probably uh yeah i think uh... this was pretty good so we're just gonna i think we just move along to to wrap up the show unless you want to say more Uh, if we get into anything else knowing you and i we're here for another hour and i'm sure listeners would love to hear us for another hour but you know we gotta save some for next time Bo and I, exmpodcast.com. That's the website. Um, we also do goodbadbull.com. That's good, bad, or bullshit. And uh, that's the podcast we're doing on the regular together with a friend of ours, uh, local sh- hooligan Michael Hodgins. Um, and, uh, and, in terms of this podcast, I think Bo and I, you know, we we love to do it, but it's just like we also love to play games and we also love to like spend time with our family. We also Bo loves doing core and we just have a lot going on. So we release when we can and, and we will continue to do so. And I think we so, keep um, it more, more informal, too. I like the way this conversation went because we had a lot of segments before, but I mean, we filled an hour and a half. Uh, with just no, I know. And we all conversation. Will. Yeah. And 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 uh, at EXM podcast uh, is the Twitter handle where when we are start thinking about going live or whatever you you will hear um, twitch.tv slash EXM podcast. 
please subscribe there. You can you can watch us um, uh, do the show live, and you'll get notified when we do. Facebook.com slash EXM podcast. If you have a topic, you something you want to discuss, maybe a question that will even uh, get us to do an episode, send it at EXMpodcast at gmail.com. If, if you want to hear more episodes more often, make some noise. If we know people are out there and have an appetite for it, we will, we will be back. We love doing the show. And we love talking to each other, but we love hearing from you even more. So exmpodcast at gmail.com for that. Um, you can reach me at Croft and Steers. But more importantly, where can they reach you, Bo? Uh, they can find me at Bo Schwartz on the Twitter. And did we say, did you say, sorry, I missed that. Uh, it was just, I got distracted by thing. <laughs> um, did you say where Core was? Or am Squirrel. I repeating it? Core? No, no, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't. I just mentioned that you do if that. The, if the core, if the Heroes of the Storm stuff interested you, we talked about. I do a show called Core, and that's at Heroes for You. So you know, check out all that stuff. Good, bad, bull, at Bo Schwartz, and Heroes for You. They deep dive. They deep dive <clears throat> into Core. Oh, listen. And, and it, by the way, like because that show's evolved. We do. I do a game. I'm a game show host. I'm yeah, Core Adams Trebek, and I host Next Separity. And it's off the chain. Uh, director or pvp for world of warcraft to linka confirmed as a listener and appreciator of said show so i always got to bring it when there's a next separate episode i was rapping for my questions on the last one it's embarrassing and incredible it's become a thing unto itself so if, if you I mean, don't like you heroes... have your own show dedicated to that i know i listen to a show uh an- another show from another that they have a do a game and and honestly people love those like if yeah. you get a good one well it gets people talking and laughing but there's something special about next separate there's a good bad or bullshit flavor of like this is really crappy <laughs> it's the same contestants every week and the questions are really bad and John complains all the time that it's not fair and that adds to the entertainment. And Scott doesn't know a lot of the answers. Most of his answers are mostly, Oh shit! Oh shit! Anyways, it's a good time. You should you should listen to it. It's evolved into something on its own. and It's, it's better than your average quiz show on a show. Uh, I don't awesome. feel it's arrogant to say that. So go, go listen. Um, well, I know we're doing a little more ad hoc-y type stuff, but... Uh, but we still have the Master Game Theater quote of the week, and it wouldn't be EXM if we did not close our show with the Master Game Theater quote of the week. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I clicked the window. It's coming. The quote's coming. It's on the way. Oh. The Master Game Theater quote of the week. It's now time for Master Game Theater. Man, the we, Master Game Theater quote of the week. We had to pay that guy a lot of money to do that quote. I don't know if it was worth it. His, his accent is a little off. Now, what do we got, Crofton? What are we doing? What, we'll what make it. We'll doing? make it real quick. We'll get. We'll we'll just get out of here real fast. It's a. It's from Saints Row Four, which is a a fun uh, you know action adventure game, and it's uh, it's the quote played by Bo Schwartz is of a, a routine secret service and agent who gets killed many of which get were killed in the making of this game uh, and he has a one liner whenever he gets killed and Bo will deliver that one liner <clears throat> Bo take it away uh, uh, tell my wife I had another wife <laughs> <laughs>
right. And show's done. Show's done. In the can. In the can, chat room.